0: We're not creative enough, and we're not positive enough. It's
1: coming
0: home, it's
1: coming
2: home, it's coming
0: for We'll go on getting it's back, so we am getting back, so
1: getting back, so getting home. back as getting it's back coming for. It's coming, coming. coming home. home. It's coming.
2: Good morning. Home. Welcome back to the Continental Breakfast from the Football Bible. It is Monday, the twelfth of July, and Italy are European champions. They beat England last night, three um, two in a penalty shootout after one all draw um, after extra time. It's Branton here. Steve is with me. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. Also, this is such a bold podcast. Uh, Dartmouth is here. Good morning, Dart. Ah, oh,
0: the glorious twelve.
2: <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um it's uh, it's it's probably Steve what we what we all kind of expected and um not if we maybe hoped for it, uh, if it's fair to say that, um for the, the whole of the tournament. England looked um probably looked like the best team out for going through the, the knockout stages. Um but as you had said to the lads Uh, offer there. They did what they've been doing the whole tournament and didn't really commit and go for it when they were in the ascendancy. They sat back, they they bored everyone to tears for um, the rest of the game and Italy probably deserved it in the end.
3: Yeah, I felt over the course of the hundred and twenty minutes that Italy were the better team. And I think it is fair that England were probably the best team in the knockout stages. Italy, the best team in the group stages. So it was a, it was a fitting final, but I thought we saw the worst of what England have to offer in that final. Like, I'd almost actually say that the the worst thing that could have happened was going. One up so early because Southgate's natural inclination is to be defensive. We saw that with the the setup, like playing five at the back, or theoretically it's three, but it was realistically five. Um, and I just think it's so conservative when you have the attacking talent that they have, and you have the goalkeeper that they have that you would play conservative. Mm-hmm. I just I just don't understand it at all. Uh, and they got their comeuppance because they were playing. I felt like they played most of extra time for penalties as well. Um, Did they have a shot on target after the goal? Because I was struggling to remember one.
0: One like that one, yeah.
3: Yeah, Yeah. I think yeah, maybe one. Yeah, and that was like that's outrageous in 120 minutes of football. (laughs) Like when you have the attacking threat that they have. Um, So for me, they got what they deserved because um, I think. There was only one team trying to win that from the second minute on, and that was Italy. Uh, and so for, the, for that, from that point of view, I think the result was, was fairly justified.
2: Johnny, would you agree with that? I mean, Italy, 19 shots to England, six. They had 66% possession over nearly more than double passes that England had. Um, it seemed like they dominated the game, as Steve said, after England scored. They, I mean, Harry Kane was in his own half for... A lot of that second half, um, and Italy kind of came out in the second half to to try and win it. Mancini made some good changes. Um, Italy deserved it, didn't it? Absolutely.
0: Like I thought, it was kind of rules reversed in terms of attacking talent. Like we're so used to seeing Italy, you know, go goal up on defensive masterclass winning the game, and you know, we even there. noticed like at times even in the first half last night, like all eleven England players were in their own half. You know, it's just, what's going on here? Um, I thought taking Kieran Trippier kind of changed the game, to be quite honest. Um, it was a strange decision. I thought Trippier was actually having a, a pretty decent game, and then they put Kyle Walker at the right-back, and I'll be quite honest, when Kyle Walker is at right-back, he's an absolute dose at defending, so I think him mm. playing in that back three really suits him, because his pace can get back in and cover for the likes of Maguire, so I thought that was a strange move. Yeah. Um. Greatish done nothing when he came on. Um, and he's also a card, and so is Sterling. Just putting it out there. Letting the 19 yes. year old take a penalty. Um, the last penalty for England, which was decisive. Um, like I'm absolutely delighted England lost, but obviously I'm annoyed because Saka is an Arsenal player and he's only 19 and it's just ridiculous kind of what, what happened there last night. And I've seen a couple of quotes from Southgate saying, the penalty takers were decided upon their experience. Well, Saka's never taken a penalty for Arsenal. So I don't know what the hell that decision was all about. Um but like you say, like watching England last night, actually watching England throughout this tournament has been like watching Arsenal this past season, you know, very boring and very little you know l- very little in going forward and attack and that's not, you know, being around the bush either, like and I'm not just using this to have a go at him again, but what did Harry Kane really do this tournament? And it's not it's not it's not an attack on Tottenham, like honestly God, he was just, I don't know like, they were sitting on BBC last night trying to defend him, like oh well he didn't get the service and all this here, and yes I can understand that, but at the same time he was dropping deep all the time he wasn't in the box, like it was always Sterling or whoever was playing on the right wing, getting into I the I saw box He
3: heat map and he had more touches in his own half than he did in the Italy half um, which is anyway. have a
0: It's not that mental. Like two two boys, if you had Harry Kane in your team, would you not want him in the penalty area?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't want him anywhere else. He didn't have a touch inside the penalty box last night at all. It's just unreal.
0: For a guy that that, that had probably one of the best seasons of his career just passed (laughs) like individually. Like it's crazy that he was he was sitting so
2: deep. Yeah, and I suppose like it, it all kind of ties in with with one thing, Steve, is the decisions um that were made. You can <clears throat> you've already mentioned the back three or back five, um the, the substitute um Saka for Trippier, the late substitutions that eventually came on, um and there could have been more of them. Yeah. Um <clears throat> and uh, where to play Harry Kane the fact that he's like that's that's not Harry Kane entirely himself dropping in there that's Southgate's telling him to do that yeah. and also then the Palmin you know surely it's a manager's fault like that's that was my first takeaway last night after the rebate <clears throat> I was like that, that's Southgate's fault like it felt
3: like Southgate's fault it felt like <laughs> See, uh, it felt no. I wouldn't say it felt like they were beaten before kickoff, but like it, some of his decision making is just really, really strange. Um, and even this thing of like, I'm I'm not a fan of bringing on penalty takers just for to take on penalties as well. Like, there's there's a there's an ebb and flow to a game that you need to be part of, and neither of those players, um, Sancho or Rashford, were part of it. And like, and this is I texted into the group last night. England went to this tournament with like half a dozen right backs and Marcus Rashford was playing there at the end of the game last night like, yeah. there's, something, there's something seriously wrong with your setup
0: if that's what happens Like, as well sorry just true calling to be honest
3: yeah and like deciding penalty takers in a in a tournament held specifically for Instagram your or your Twitter feed before the final is not a way to pick <laughs> penalty takers you go you go with like who puts their hand up that's what I want to see like if I'm a manager the, I don't pick the penalty takers before the game I see, I wait until after the game and I see who wants to do it. Because that's a huge part of it is confidence, not being assigned a role to take a penalty. And no matter what happens, you do not let a 19-year-old who has never taken a senior penalty take the final spot kick. Like, you just don't do that. Like, there were so many more senior players in that team who could have taken that, um, that kick. And just for them all to let him do it, like that's a dereliction of duty as well from the players as much as it is from from Southgate and like and we all know what was going to happen when the three players who missed missed we all knew what was going to happen and sadly it has happened since. Um, but I don't know. Like I, I don't blame. Like I wouldn't like take. Uh, the fifth penalty in a Euro twenty eight in a Euro final. Like do you know, but yeah. at the same time. I would like to think that if I didn't want to take it, my manager would know that and get the sense and put someone else on that spot kick.
0: I think he probably did want to take it. Like obviously I've watched saga for the last two seasons and he's he is a brave character and you know he's not afraid to go forward and, and take responsibility. Like it's it's more so that yes, he probably did say, Yeah, I'll take one, but at the same time, where was Raheem Sterling, where was Jack Grealish? you know, there, there's players there, like Greenwich has been hyped up this whole tournament by, by English fans about why he's not playing, and to a degree you can, can understand, like, why he wasn't kind of in that role, you know, maybe alternating with Mason Mount, but like, those guys have a responsibility as well, and be like, yeah, okay, but maybe you can go sixth or seventh or whatever, if we get that far, but let us take it now, you know, we're the senior players in this team, and they didn't do that, and... Mm. I hope it doesn't really affect Saka's confidence. I hope he really does just come back stronger than this, and you know, next season he'll he'll show again how good he is. Like we came into this tournament and um setting me up here, Steve. To be quite honest, um, that Phil Foden was like one's golden boy, like, and he absolutely is not. Like he started the first game, and I'm not sure to be quite honest how many more games he started after that.
3: He started the second, and then he did. He wasn't in the squad for the third, and I think Southgate said it was because they were protecting him from yellow cards and I don't think he played like he played came on as a sub but I don't think he played any meaningful minutes after that Um, yeah, like, yeah it, it, it's crowds yeah it, it, there's a player there's a perfect example of a player who absolutely bloomed when the stadium was empty and there was no pressure and all the evidence since has been that he shits the bed when there's crowds there and like this was a this was a crowd willing England to do well because all their games were bloody at home except one you know and so if you can't do it when everyone is on your side imagine what it's going to be like going into a hostile atmosphere you know with like 50-50 German fans or 50-50 French fans in a World Cup like you just can't see it and you're right about British like I thought British had flashes in the tournament but I don't think there was any like he what he's really really good at is getting fouled but like that's not that's not a, a something you can build a you know system around Um. Yeah. And you know, I thought I thought it was a yellow card last night. I didn't. There was a lot of pundits saying they thought it was a red. I thought his ball, he won the ball, but then obviously his foot rolled over the ball and cocked it in the upper leg. But like, I think a yellow was the right decision. The referee had the best view in the house of it as well. That's the other thing. Um, and he he saw it as a yellow card as well. Um, I don't know. Like, it's there's a lot. I think England fans. Um, those who weren't off their face on coke and sticking rockets <laughs> up their arse yesterday will
2: probably wake up with a lot of regrets this morning uh, I love that that's actually a real thing
3: I know, like none of that is made up mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: yeah, they actually stuck rockets up their arse like,
3: yeah. um, I think they'll and I saw like I think any sort of clear headed analysis has to come back to Gareth Southgate got that wrong, not just last night, but actually in the way he set the team up the whole tournament because ultimately you can't keep playing defensively and expect to get through. It's the Jose Mourinho, like, it's anti-football. It's horrible to watch. Like, last night was an awful game of football. Um, Mm. Except for the tension. Like, it's only what was at stake. If that was a round of 16 game, probably most people would have switched off. Mm. You know, it was just because it was a final. So, I think... Like there's, I I know I sound like a broken record, but like you either coach to win or you coach not to lose, and Southgate absolutely coached not to lose, and it came back to haunt him last night.
2: Yeah, um, and I suppose the the only thing I would say about <clears throat> that match not being great was I thought Italy definitely played well in the second half. They they didn't impress me in the first half, and I was worried. Um, I thought England were just going to see it out because <clears throat> they weren't at all getting beyond that England. It was a back five. Um, they weren't getting at all beyond it in the first half. Um, it, it really stopped uh, in midfield, and in the final third, they they couldn't actually create many chances. Um, but then they came out with like a sort of renewed energy in the second half and um, I think it was Bellotti and Berardi came on um, and this started to, to make inroads and it, I mean Chiesa before he went off was fantastic wasn't he? I, I was actually surprised that Donnarumma got um, got the player of the tournament I thought there was a few other Italians that, that maybe I suppose he, he made some good penalty saves, um. But John, I a word on a word on Atleti. Like they were the best team in the tournament throughout, and yeah. they had some outstanding individuals, didn't they?
0: Yeah, yeah, they definitely did. Like I think I think you're quite right. there, Chiesa had a very good game, and I think Mancini made a change where he put Insignia into the centre and put him out more towards the left. And Ferrari and Jorginho then started to dictate the, the tempo of the game. Like I thought, them two were excellent in the second half. Um, I actually was calling for Zinedine taking off. I thought he was terrible at the left wing. And I was like, "Oh my god, get him off the pitch!" But he definitely played a lot better when he was <laughs> in centrally. Um, and when Verratti came off, you know, Lacatelli is obviously not a bad player to come on and replace him. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, throughout that tournament, Italy were excellent. Like um, I think, like you said, Steve, with with England having seven of the eight games, right or whatever it was at home, you know, there has been the argument with the English media that, oh well, sure you know, any country that, that hosts the games are playing at home, but they do play in different stadiums now. You know, it's not like they're playing every single game in the one ground. Like, you know, they do move about the country. Um, and, like, it really was set up for them to really go on and do it. And I think even Southgate in his interviews last night, you could tell that that was the chance. And um, I know that as they showed a, a couple of clips back from, was it 2013 maybe, where England had set out this roadmap that by... You know, this Euros they'll be reached the semi-finals, and by the Qatar World Cup they'll win that World Cup, and that's kind of their plan. Um, we'll see how that goes, obviously, and you know, what eighteen months time when the World Cup rolls around. Uh, but yeah, I, Italy definitely deserved it. You know, you could just tell before that game last night, Chiellini came out and he was smiling and just. You got the babe off him. He's ready for this, and he was. He was acting again. So was it, Benucci. Um, over 300 games together for club and country, you know, you don't get a centre-back partner like that really anymore, do you?
3: Yeah, it's, and they're so they're so good at it. Like, and I think, like, you know, it's your Nesta and Cannavaro, it's, you know, it's that kind of iconic Italian centre-back partnership that they just keep seem to producing two at a time. And I would say, like, this is an Italian team, like, who were in the doldrums, like, they didn't qualify for the 2018 World Cup. For them to come back with this, like, and not just playing the Italian way we would it, because earlier on in this tournament they were one of the best and most exciting attacking teams to watch as well. So I think I think all credit to Mancini and Viali and what they've done. Um because they've turned they do everything. Like they can attack well, they can defend well, they do shit housing well. I mean it's it's a lot to there's a lot to admire about about them and like unless you were born in, you know, in England, I can't see anyone being disappointed—not just because of the tournament, but actually what they've been through the last four, four to six years as well. Um, so for me, it's it's a lovely end to the Italy redemption narrative, and Mancini as well. Like he kind of he was a bit of a like a clown figure because of his time at Man City and stuff like that. But I think he's shown like what an actual great manager he is. Um, so yeah, fair play to him. Um
2: and uh, kind of doing it without uh, a proper centre forward, I would mm. say. I mean, I don't mean to shit on Immobile, but I mean <laughs> after the after the group stages, he was shake wasn't he? I mean, he was. Here. I I, I mm-hmm. do not remember him having um a good game after they got out of the group, and I think he was he was taking off nearly every game. Um, so you think if they Get uh, if they get a proper number nine, um, or if they get somebody who can score them goals, because that's remembering back to the group stage, you know, that's what we were questioning Italy about was the amount of chances they needed, um, to score goals, and I it seemed like when Chiesa came into the team, um, they were taking chances a, a lot better, and they were winning games by one and two goals, um, but surely. They are I favourites for, for this World Cup because it's so close. Steve? Yeah,
3: I think they have to be. I think that, that this Italian team is crying out for like a Lucas Honey or a Christian Vieri. Like that's what it's yeah. missing. The only thing that's missing. And if they found if they find that, they're going to be unstoppable. I don't know what the kind of Italian under-21 side is like, but if they can find that big man that they can trust, because it's a very small team as well. And I yeah. would have expected that... um if I would have expected them to be bullied more, but actually they don't. They don't get bullied really, do they? Like they're they're really physical, yeah. as well, and you, you you do like to see that. I thought I I going back to what you said a little bit earlier as well. I thought Chiesa can feel a little hard done by not getting player at the tournament, but like you yeah, know, I suppose you have to go with the keeper who keeps making saves in a penalty shootout, uh, even though that's literally his job to do. Um, <laughs> but I know I thought I think they're um, when Chiesa's on form. Uh, especially with since Spinazzola got injured, I think, you know, he's he has been the man that they've looked to.
0: Um Who is that is that, that, that flop you you were talking about there? Well
3: look, all I can say is the last time I saw him play club football he completed six goals in a you know, <laughs> um, year
0: just moved on a free transfer to PSG too, which is, <laughs> is not yeah, yeah. wild. Um, but uh, no,
3: I think you're right, Brent. I think um I I don't know how you can look past Italy for the for the next World Cup. I really don't. Yeah, it's it's yeah. going to be an
0: interesting World Cup though because like there's going to be kind of nearly halfway through the European League season and like they're going to be com- like they're going to be coming from playing in really like cold conditions to Qatar, which I know is not as warm around December time. That's why they're playing it, but it's still going to be bloody warm. Yeah. So I think the, the likes of England and the other European teams might struggle a little bit in terms of adapting to that heat. You know, I don't know how long we really have to prepare for this World Cup, whether they're just told if you have a week or two weeks then the tournament starts out. I'm not entirely sure what, what the whole process is.
2: Yeah, it, it, it'll be different. It'll be very different. And it'll be, as you say, there's there's some uh, countries that, that do usually take a winter break. Um, and, and the Premier League is not one of them. Um, I know that they uh, maybe took one last year did they, to, to try and... Um, I think they did, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, they're right. The players aren't used to it. And I I think the, um, the South Americans will definitely uh, be in with the shout as well. Um, after, um, a good cup of America there as well. Um, but I want to ask you, Johnny, um, before we go about England. Yeah, uh, to to finish it again. <clears throat> Who? Uh, no, I saw Steve that your friend Jose um was on that uh, channel that we don't really mention. It, it came up on my Twitter feed, and um he <laughs> he like us um was saying that um, Saka shouldn't have hit the the final penalty. It was um mm-hmm. it was a poor decision not by him but by the manager and maybe the squad for not to step up and. He of course mentioned that a certain left back should should be stepping up to hit a penalty as well. Um really I think it? he he put, he put a bit of blame on him. Um I was thinking he was probably England's standout player or one of their standout players. I know Sterling should probably get a mention too, Johnny. Um but you know who over the tournament impressed you for England individually? Individually, um,
0: Shaw's the obvious one, yeah. Sterling as well. Didn't think Sterling had a great game last night, to be quite honest. Um, mm. I thought Saka had that spells where he was good. Um, and even though I don't rate him, I thought Kyle Walker was good in a three. Um, but in terms of you know, a redemption for a player, it probably won't be Luke Shaw. Like, you know, we we kind of compare them to like a Phil kind of footballer, you know, that's. That's <laughs> the style of player he is, you know. You know. <laughs> what do you not, mean? Yeah, well, not n- nothing bad whatsoever. Bloody <laughs> um But no, in terms of like, the guy has got abuse and has such a hard time playing under Mourinho and like footballers are, are humans as well. Like, you know, it obviously affected his confidence. You know, with Mourinho putting him down and he suffered a bad leg break and stuff like that. So to see him come back and I think I, I seen there last night. Since between, was it, I can't remember what year it was, and this year, he'd only played, was it two games? 60, or it was 63 games, he played two games for yeah. England. So, you know, to come into a major tournament like this and, and perform the way he has, has been, has been amazing. Like, but again, it all comes down to, you look at the attack and talent. Like, I had a quick look there at England's bench last night, and even though Steve doesn't rate him, like, but still, you had Marcus Rashford there, Grealish, you know, Jaden Sancho, Calvert Lewin didn't even get a sniff in this tournament you know mm. and if you want somebody in the box try and get you a goal you know capital had a very good season you know Bellingham's had a good season for Dortmund as well and i don't think he really played any minutes so i mean there has to be question marks you know yes england fans can be proud of how far their team have gotten but you really could have went that one step further you know with that talent you've you got to just kind of go and attack teams like Italy, you know, because they just play the slow build-up game, and it kind of suits them to kind of sit in and hit, hit teams on the counter-attack, but it was them dictating the game after the second moment, like, and yeah, like, it's just, it's not a shame, because I am not at all annoyed about England not winning, Um, mm-hmm. but I'm sure they are, because they will know, like, that, that that's their best opportunity. I don't think they'll win the World Cup, um. And, you know, by that stage, after that, you're looking at the next Euros and who's going to be still around. You know, Harry Kane will be, you know, be in his 30s at that stage. I think he's 27 now, is he? So, they're, that, this, this kind of, I know they talked about the Lampard and Girard generation, Spain, the golden generation. But I think this current team is, in terms of attacking and talents and really what they could have achieved. It, it's, I suppose it's like, you know, the Spain team from 2010, around that time. You know, they just had such a good squad from back to front and they really should have. And they did, they achieved... They won two euros, won a World Cup. I suppose that's I suppose what England are, are trying to replicate,
2: and I think they're going to miss the vote again. Yeah, they they actually did win stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Steve, the uh, I'm assuming you're happy enough with the United contribution from from the England players. Well, except right. for penalties, I'm Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, um, yeah. I thought we're well, actually. I'm not, I'm not actually including Sancho in that, but um, yeah. because he didn't seem to want to play on to for some ridiculous reason, but um, Sean Maguire definitely had a, had good tournaments. Yeah, Maguire kind of showed why United
3: spent the money they did on him. Um, I think a lot, and he's to be honest, he's shown a lot better form for England in, in for the most part than he ever has for United, which is a little bit of a worry, uh, but I suppose it's probably the difference between. Um, Having Eric Y.E. beside you and having John Stones beside you, uh, might, might have a, a, an influence on that. I so thought Shaw was, for me, he was England's best player. Uh, but that said, I thought Nathan Mount did a lot, um that probably didn't get recognition because Sterling was getting all the headlines earlier on. Um, and I'm not just saying this because of the obvious, uh, connotations. But I thought Declan Rice had a horrific tournament. And I thought Jack Reedish just didn't deliver in the big moments when he needed to. Uh, But I think Rice was particularly poor. And if Jordan Henderson was fit, I'd have had Henderson in there every single time over Rice. Um, You can see that in games where, where Henderson came on for Rice. like Automatically, his first instinct is to turn and pass the ball forward. Whereas Rice's first instinct is always, always to pass the ball backwards. Um, and they did a really good piece on RTE. uh, I think it was before the semi final, where Didi Haman was saying, like, if you're a defender and you know that that's what he's going to do, well, then you just give him the space, and then you can you you can cover two players the way you don't have to kind of press Rice because you know that even it doesn't matter whether you press him or play off him, he's going to pass the ball backwards anyway, and it just gives teams that extra bit of an edge in midfield. And when you consider that England are playing like what one, two, three four, five, six, six outfield defensive players. Like, it's not asking, it's asking a huge amount of the attacking players, isn't it? Like, to when you're yeah. ba- unbalanced like that. And so when you have one of your defensive players, you really need one of them who can do bow, who can put his, put his football on the ball and, and, and kind of turn around. And I actually thought Saka played in when he played, I was surprised he didn't start. I would, I would have started him um, yeah. last night because I think he's brilliant going forward. Um, so, like, there's lots of positives there for England, but I think, I think JD's right. Like, I think this is, this was England's best chance. Like, I mean, the only time they've reached two major finals in their entire history, they've both been on home style. What makes them think they're going to go to Qatar and do any differently? Like, they've yeah. like, it's a huge advantage playing at home in a major tournament. Not just travel, but fans, the whole lot. Like, so I think that was, in terms of Gareth Southgate's England, I think that was their chance. I see loads of people this morning saying, oh... You know, England will England will definitely win a major major trophy in in you know in our lifetimes or whatever. But like, people probably said the same about the Czech Republic and Croatia, like because they keep getting so close. But you have to get over that finish line eventually, you know. Um, oh, I hope they're not
0: in the Nations League in that? that well,
3: <laughs> that's yeah, that would that nonsense. Like, but like the the sad reality is that Greece, the footballing powerhouse of Greece, have won more you know, European titles than England have. And that's a damning yeah. indictment on everything to do with English football. So P-
2: perfect note I think to end the podcast. Um <laughs> we will uh I think that was probably our general theme throughout the last month. But um yeah eventually congratulations Deadly. I think nobody apart from maybe English fans can argue that they deserved it. Um and, and I imagine also for, you know, basically playing away from home and winning that final. Um, I don't think anybody really talked about that. Um, but yeah, that'll do And um, We're going to hear a bit from Paddy and Phil now, uh, just to sum up what they thought um, of the match in the tournament.
4: Well, folks, it's, uh, it's Patrick here, leaving a voice note for the Babble. What a game. So, so good to watch. So tense. And... Um, what a start by England! Frenetic start, you know. Such a good goal. Trippier justifying his selection. What a ball in overlap from uh, Walker just drew a player away, and then Kane was drawing attention. To a couple of lads. What a finish from Shaw! That is not easy to keep that under control, and to keep it low. Uh, Donnarumma had absolutely no chance. But after that, Italy were basically in control. I think England sort of were, were averaging probably like thirty percent possession. Um, which was fine in the first half, but second half, you could just sense an Italian goal coming, they were really starting to turn the screw, and I thought Pickford, although we we him get, we get loads, of, loads of stick for having tiny arms and being being far too emotional, made a couple of really good saves, even just prior to Bonucci's goal, I think that, that save he made, initial save he made was, was pretty spectacular, Um, and then obviously saving two penalties and, and ending up on the losing side, but... Uh, yeah can't can't say I'm disappointed. Fair play at Italy they've been an excellent team in the tournament. Um I'm having a beer and a whiskey to celebrate. Um whilst the watch Italy lift the cup. But um yeah fantastic tournament. Lo- really loved it especially the especially the knockout stages when it seemed that there were very few damp squibs. Um exceptional knockout stages some all time classics there France Switzerland. Uh, the Spain Croatia game as well, like just a couple of except, and even that Italy at least being semi final was unreal as well. So class tournament, uh, fair play to Italy, harsh to lose on penalties for 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 the English, but sure uh, a few absolute stinking penalties there. Um, and I generally just hate bringing on players to take penalties. Uh, I don't really like it bringing on players that have haven't really. Got the feel of the game, got the, got a touch of leather, and, and then they're starting to hit penalties now. It, it works, it works from time to time. It worked on Wednesday against Bosnia in the in their semi final playoff, but it's one of those risks that just doesn't really seem necessary sometimes. But sure, it happens. Um, Donnarumma is just fucking massive, um, and yeah, he 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 saved a couple of them well, and obviously Rashford's hit the post, but. Yeah, there you go. Slap it up, England. Football's not coming home. And um, also heard a really good point on the on the radio. That they keep on going with 55 years of hurt. That is suggesting that from the second that the trophy was lifted in 1966, that hurt started. That's a long time. Surely you have at least three or four years of grace until the next World Cup is won that you're not in emotional pain. So I doubt that whole hurt thing. But the heart goes on regardless, uh, however many years. And yeah, there you go. Slap it up, is. And yeah, forza it, Italia. Good luck.
1: Hello, listeners. People, McCullough here. Um, I won't be on the pod live this morning with the guys. I am heading on holidays in around ten minutes at the time I'm recording this voice message for you. Um, for a couple of days. South, um, I can't wait for that. Um, that's it. Euro twenty twenty is over. Italy victorious. Um, a great tournament all round. I thought football wise, probably my favourite so far I've witnessed. Um, just thought it was brilliant from start to finish. So many mad stories and and um, plot lines going on. The, the Danish story getting the semi final. I thought they went through. Italy coming through with Mancini, 34 games unbeaten, Um, Spain being revitalised under Luis Enrique. There's just so many twists and turns, the the Welsh uh, story, Scotland getting back to a major tournament, Um, North Macedonia being there, it was class, I really, really, really enjoyed it and delighted, if I'm honest, Italy won, regardless of who they were playing last night, because I know fine-rightly people think that's being spiteful, but regardless of who they were playing last night, I wanted Italy to win. I did say in the preview show at the start that they would win it, and they did. So I'm obviously um, basking in the glory this morning, but they were superb the whole tournament, uh, let's be honest. They, they got it tight against Austria and found a way. Um, they were brilliant against Belgium, and then they, they shithoused 21 minutes against Belgium to see it over the line, which is just bellissimo. Uh, against Spain, what Bonucci said, it was the toughest game he's, he's ever played. Think Spain had seventy percent possession and almost completed almost a thousand passes, and yet Italy still managed to, after they get it, drop back level, hold them off, get at the penalties, and then win penalties. And also last night on winning the penalty shootout, Italy became the first side in a European Championships to win two penalty shootouts in the same tournament and become victorious. What a side! What a side! What a team! Um, Maybe Caelini might not make it to Qatar. I think Bonucci probably will. They still have one or two really good young centre-halves will come in there anyway. Um, but the, the the rest of that squad is still quite young, still able to go and do it in Qatar. So that'll be excellent. On England, um, yeah, they, that was weird last night. But also, we've seen it before. We saw them do that against Croatia in the 2018 World Cup, taking an early lead, and then just... Really do nothing for the rest of the game, and, and that was that was exactly the same last night. Scored early on, had a bit of pressure, didn't create any other chances. I think they only had two shots on goal the whole ninety minutes. Maybe certainly up until a certain point in the second half, they'd only had that one chance, and that was the goal. Uh, Luke Shaw, brilliant goal, and um, what a tournament he's had. Um, but yeah, same old sort of same story again on the uh, they didn't. I don't understand why they didn't capitalize. Italy, looked rocked. I'm sure you should be talking about this in the tournament, in the game, in the podcast, sorry, any of it. My opinion, Italy looked so rocked after for the first 20, 25 minutes, and England should have really capitalized, and they didn't. All they wanted to do was just stop them coming forward, and it even was summed it up. A part of the second half, where no part of the first half, sorry, where Rice got a. A rising, um applause because he hoofed the ball away and um, from out of his own half, hoofed it forward instead of controlling it and, and gaining possession. I mean, Marco Verratti took over that game last night. He was unbelievable. He mustn't be fit enough to ever do 90 minutes because he keeps getting hauled off. But what a side, what a result. On England, look, they came up short. I think that's probably their best chance and that's maybe gone now. For them to to win a major tournament, people say they're young enough say, but that'd be hard to get over. I'm sure you'll talk about why Saka was being given the fifth penalty, why some of the senior players didn't step up. Um, But, yeah, sort of same old story for England when it comes to the crunch. They seem to just hit that panic button or I don't know what happens. But I've rambled on too long because I'm trying to get it all in because I'm not on the podcast. But thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you all enjoy the rest of the show. Um, I'm sure the lads will, will be um, brilliant as always. And um, we're go- I'm going to take a break anyway. I think the pod's taking a break for a couple of weeks. Uh, unless Mad Happens transfer away, we'll dip back in. But um, enjoy the rest of your time. And I hope you've really enjoyed the shows. Um, thanks everyone for listening and sharing all the podcasts. And I'll let you go back to the boys. And um, chat to you soon. Good luck.
2: That's it from us. Um, for the Euros it's been great covering it uh, this last month thank you to everyone who's been listening um, we will be taking a well deserved break uh, for a couple of weeks um, we're going to get into a few special um, subject pods um, before the start of next season so stay tuned for that on socials at the Football Babble pod um, thanks to everyone who's been contributing at Patreon patreon.com forward slash Football thank you for that um and that's it um lads cheers um we'll let you get back to your day steve enjoy work i'll try <laughs> yeah uh jedi we i'm sure you'll be getting up with some badness of some sort
0: oh it's coming rome
2: <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for listening we'll see you on the next one good luck